so there's a guy. He's, you know, not very worldly. And, you know, he's at the point of his life where he wants to sell down. And he goes to his father for advice and says, you know, what what's important? What should I really look for? And his father gives him advice about this, that, the other thing. And he says... But listen, at the end of the day, you don't want somebody who's been around a lot. You don't want, you know, to get a, a car with that many used miles, if you know what I'm saying. And he goes, uh, okay, well, how do you, how can you really tell? He goes, the first time, you know, you're about to be intimate with a girl and she sees, you know, your penis, if she giggles and calls it a pee-pee, she probably hasn't been around the block. If she says things like, I want your schlong or I want your cock or something like that, you know, you know, she's, she's done a few laps. So he's seeing a couple different girls. He starts to lock in on one. You know, they date for a few months. And the first time they're about to be intimate, you know, she giggles and says, I can see your pee-pee. And you're like, okay, well, this is the one. So they get married and things are going well. And, you know, after a little while, you know, he's like, oh, maybe we should spice things up and, you know, She's, you know, he's about to do it, and she goes, oh, I can see your pee-pee. And he says, you know, you can call it a cock or a schlong. And she goes, oh, I've seen plenty of cocks and slongs. That's a pee-pee. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little too close to home. <laughs> hey, welcome to Carnival Personnel. I'm Jacques. I'm Joe. And uh, what, what, again, will we ever start a show, first of all, Without going to Yucksville, and secondly, without just, uh, what what's a new cycle this minute? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that a little bit later, but first of all, let's talk about this wacky weather. Um, there's nobody who I think hates weather talk more than you, other than my friend Ron. It's like, it's why he stopped walking, he stays in his car when he takes the kids to the bus, because he has nothing to talk to about with the other parents, except, hey, how about this weather? What about it? Right. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. But you tweeted the other day. Uh, what was your tweet about? You know, people in New England complaining about the weather, despite still living in New England. <laughs> yeah. Right. But we did. We we had a big storm. Um, my my two little like you know uh, quarter breeds. Um, for accuracy's sake, I can't really say half breeds. Uh, quarter breeds had another three day school week. Great for them, uh, I guess. When when, uh, when the Fourth of July is the last school day now, I'm I'm not really sure, but um, I enjoyed the storm quite quite a bit. How so? Uh, well, first of all, before I dive into that, when I did the rundown, it was before uh, what I'm going to get to, and and I had a thought. Like I had a thought. I'm driving over here. <laughs> I had a thought. Um, so. The storm comes, and uh, and I'm getting ready to plow the driveway. Not a metaphor. <laughs> no, no, that's a pee-pee. Um, and, uh, you know, my dad had given us, like, uh, his older snowblower, which is still great. Um, but by the time the snow accumulated enough to use it, um, the power went out. Mm. And it's an electric start. Ooh. You know, it has a pull start that you can use once the engine's up and running, but it does not a pull start to start it. And my neighbor's like, oh, just take mine when I'm done. And he brought it right over. He he did about like an eighth of the driveway, like walking it over to me <laughs> where I was shoveling. Um, and w- what's really interesting is he's older, he's white. And I try not to get mad at every older white person just assuming that they voted the wrong way. I mean, don't forget, one day you 
God willing, will be an older white person. Well, I, I mean, and look, you know, I mean, when I saw Jim Gaffigan, you know, in East Orange routine a few months ago, he goes, I know what I look like. <laughs> and I live in New York City and I feel like I should just be walking around. I didn't vote for him. I didn't vote. Anyways, I, I've never asked his political leaning, but I just think that. So shovel, you know, plow the driveway. So that I can then take my kids, our pets, and my mother-in-law to my best friend's house from high school who's out of town on a business trip. By the way, I like how you put that order together. Like my kids, my dog, and the mother-in-law. <laughs> well, okay, you're right. My dog, my kids, <laughs> my mother-in-law to his house, you know, that didn't lose power. He's out of town. And it was really, really nice. Um, while I was at his house... I accidentally stumbled across his uh, porn collection. And by porn collection, I mean his GOP literature. <laughs> it's like, and, and my point was, it's like, I'm so mad at the world who's voted for him. And I'm so mad at Republicans in general. It might have come up once or twice in a tweet or on the show. But it's like, uh, yeah, all these people around me who voted against me, you know, have been really nice. It's like, but you're torn. Yeah. yeah, you're you're torn. At least they like at least the trains ran on time, right? <laughs> it's kind of that mentality. But where were they going? Where were those <laughs> trains going? So then, so what Joe was, uh, so I'm staying at a friend's house, and I have, um, funny enough, in a snowstorm, found a banana peel on the ground, and I had a nice little slip and fall, broke my leg. Slip. Slip and slide. <laughs> um, so broke your leg. Oh, uh, broke my foot. Okay, you no, know, it, it's it's what's called a um, a, and I, it's it's a term that I didn't hear before. It's called a spiral fracture, mm. which means down the you know from about halfway down from the knee to the ankle, like a series of fractures go down all the way to. So there's, there's like three or four different fractures. That sounds like a carnival ride. It does sound like. <laughs> right. But of course, how tall do you have to be to ride the spiral fracture? <laughs> Um, and, and so of course, like the meathead that I am, I had, that was, you know, uh, what, what day is it now? It's like, so that's Friday morning. I do uh, that. 7.30. Got to yell for the little kid to come Thursday out. Thursday morning. Thursday morning. Right. And then, um, no, no, but I did it on Friday. What is today? Yeah. Cause I went to the doctor Saturday. Right. So I did Friday morning at 7.30 AM. Okay. Um, and I had a meeting I couldn't miss and you know. And management was staying at work, so I was, again, taking care of the dog, the kids, and the mother-in-law, <laughs> and I had this meeting. I couldn't have a broken foot, so I told myself, it's sprained, get through the day, go to the doctor tomorrow. Um, so for about a day and a half, I walked around on it, mm. and it was, honestly, it was, I could have I could have put my foot in a... Um, and a sideshow Bob shoe, and it would have fit perfectly. <laughs> oh, what, what, like, yeah, the right foot was like swollen up pretty good. And so many people I know are like, of course you did. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, you know, of course you walked around on a broken foot because you're a triclinic. Right. So when you tweeted or texted me that you're, you know, you were going to the ER, what was the first thing I texted back to you? Break a leg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the sensitivity sure. training that we spent all that money on out the window. I'm just trying to keep up with Biff's horrible texts <laughs> to you. Yeah, they, they are they are pretty good. Uh, at least he posts them on Facebook. Some, sometimes they're on Twitter. Right. Sometimes they're just text to me, and then sometimes they're uh, Facebook. So uh, he is my own personal Russian troll farm. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I have that. But let's get on to some fun stuff. So Joe... 
is going for the year of 2018 to go to the most outings that you've gone to in a calendar year. Yeah. So, so uh, you went to see uh, Weird Al close for Emo Phillips. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They played at the Wilbur Theater in Boston a couple of weeks ago, last weekend, and uh, took my my sister, uh, the good one, no. <laughs> and we had a we had a blast with my kids, and um, it was a good time. Emo Phillips was uh, funny, very funny. I had never seen Emo Phillips live. Uh, I hadn't really seen his stand up even on television much. You know, I really only know knew him, you know, through his appearances on other television shows. Or, of course, alongside Al Yankovic in the seminal classic UHF. Um, there are countless podcasts, and I dare to say we're the only ones who reference UHF, the actual what UHF is, <laughs> and the movie UHF on a regular basis. And I think we're all the better for it. Right. I don't think we reference UHF the movie enough, and uh, that's something we have to talk about in the next Carnival personnel meeting, <laughs> but uh, the, yeah, I mean, just I mean, so some of the I'm, I was trying to remember some of the jokes that I could the birthday card. The, oh, the birthday card joke. So he actually pulls out um, like an actual like stack of eleven by seventeen papers that he has stapled together, and he starts off by saying, "I've been supplementing my income by writing." birthday cards and i wanted to share a couple with you does anybody here have a birthday like that's his first first of all he asked like you know that stupid question and then he goes is it anybody's birthday this this month and somebody raises his hand and he goes oh how old are you going to be sir and he's like 19 and he goes oh i have just the card for you and he opens the card and he goes so you're another year older Try blaming that one on the Jews. <laughs> um, do do the chess one. Oh, oh the the chess. Old one? men in the park. All right. <laughs> um, I I love playing chess with old men in the park, but getting thirty two of them together is really difficult. <laughs> my favorite one, though, my favorite emo Phillips joke, which I'll butcher for you now, is. Talking on cell phones is is like a dog's nipples. Or cell phones are like a dog's nipples. You don't have to yell into them. That's that's he's always been one. And I don't know why he's his career never turned a corner. You know, maybe he's not for everybody, but I've never seen his stand up or, or clips of him without thinking this guy is a fucking riot. Right. And my younger son was like you know, he's 12, and he looks at him, and after the show, he's like, that was awesome, but I didn't know whether I was annoyed by him <laughs> or loved him. Yeah, I think that, that that's pretty much Emo Phillips. And how was Weird Al? Weird Al was great. He did his ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity tour where he only played, virtually only played his original songs, but then at the end, he kind of capped it all with a medley of parodies that were done in the style of like other music so he started off with you remember Layla from Eric Clapton's Unplugged the famous Unplugged version on MTV well it starts off like that but then it goes right into Eat It in that style and then he goes into like a jazzy version of you know White Nerdy or something like that and it's all you know it, it's all buttoned up very nicely at the very end and uh, it was a good time but had by all 
So, so that I, made, I did a formal poll of each and every person and you coming were, out. Yeah, yeah, well, yes, and they all said we had a good time. And get out of my way! I'm trying to get to my car. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I mean it, it's like I, I, I remember when you got the tickets, and I think you told me emo was going, and I was like. Still on a sell, but now that you came back and you're like, yeah, this was this good, and you were texting me, you know, from the show. I'm like, yeah, I should have sucked it up and, and, and gone to that. I just don't know Weird Al's catalog enough to not know anything except the oh yeah twenty hits. Yeah, this was not for the casual Al fan or the non-Al fan, which I know you are. And uh, I went to a comedy show last week. Uh, we didn't talk about that, right? No, and it was great. It was uh, it was a fundraiser. Did we not talk about it? Was it? Maybe we did. Right. Was it you and your sister? Right, right. Okay. And it's like, it, it was great. I mean, so I've seen Jim Gaffigan. Uh, we have Anthony Jesselneck coming up that management got us tickets to. Ah. He's awful. He's like... Awful some. He, I hate that I love him so much. Um, you know, my favorite thing for him is, uh, uh, it's like, you know, some woman you know, asks like, you know, you know, do women, women much less hate you? Because no. Smart, you know, goes, uh, what does he say? Women must hate going to your concerts. He's like, um, oh, no, I'm just butchering it. But he's something like, you know, only dumb women, smart women don't come to my concerts. <laughs> you know, Anthony, why do you have so many jokes about 10 babies? You should see the house those jokes bother me. <laughs> you know? uh, my mother is obsessed with Princess Diana, her house is l- covered with photos of her. Right after the accident, oh, <laughs> you know, man. it's like he's so many, you know. Yeah, um, I liked his thoughts and prayers uh, special. Very good. Over. <laughs> so no, so you've you've got, you've got out a couple things. I've actually seen live comedy twice. You know, like you know at, at a at a Knights of Columbus, but that was great. I mean, it was great for the comedy of seeing comedy in a place like that. And then uh and that's so I'm glad I'm glad that you're getting out and seeing stuff. So don't get that? used to it cuz I'm going to, you know, as soon as that sunlight comes out cuz it's now daylight savings time. Oh, forget it. Uh, I'm inside all day long. <laughs> but that's you know, but it's great. It's great that you, that you did that. Now, Getting back to stormy weather. <laughs> yes. Anything going on in the news these days? Oh, you know, stuff with our president and a certain porn star. What, what's your overall take? Um, you know, I think her movies are pretty awesome. Awesome. <laughs> um, you know, she's written and directed many of them. Not not oh, wow. just a performer. Yeah. No, she's a. She has one. I never stick around for the credits. <laughs> So I never knew that. Um, well, and, and this is this is typical, you know, Cadet Bonespurs stuff. Like his base doesn't care. Um, this is more just you know um, infotainment. This mm-hmm. is more, you know, on one side you have like you know Christian fundamentalist, you know, you know preachers going on Fox News saying. Oh, this doesn't count. You can't hold this against them. People right. make mistakes. If it even happened, you know. And then on the other side, you know, it's like, oh, this should open. Mueller should be investigating the campaign finances because if his lawyer did pay for it, then it it's a breach of like campaign financing. And if he didn't pay for it, he, no, let 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 Mueller deal with the Russian, you know, the treasonous stuff, not uh-huh. the the absolute stupid. You know, uh, but again, no, no, this isn't what's going to bring the, the, you know, the, the great grift to a grinding halt. Yeah. And Al Frank is at home going, 
you're fucking kidding me, right? Right, yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, I made a stupid gesture in the name of comedy. I'm out of a job. This guy... It, yeah. Paid off a porn star. Well, he didn't even pay off the porn star. Well, you, he, he, well, let's let we, 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 the reason why Stormy Daniels, the porn star who allegedly had a sexual affair and was paid one hundred thirty thousand dollars to uh, be silenced about it, right, just right, days before, days before the election of Donald Trump. The reason why she's in the news is because she came out and said that said hush agreement was invalid and sued the president of the United States because he never signed it. And he, I guess there's a, I saw the copy of the signature page, and under, you know, uh, they both have pseudonym, so it's not Stormy Daniels, it's her real name or whatever, or it's a, maybe it's a pseudonym for her, and she signed it. And then, what was his pseudonym? It was like Danny Donaldson? Some, something like that. But of course, the initials, you know, in the, in the agreement, they're all referred to by their initials. Initials, right. And the initials for Donald Trump's pseudonym, Danny Donaldson, I forget what it's called, is Double D. Yeah. Which you know, hello, yeah, you know that was on purpose, and it's just. But again, it's one of those things where it it's it's getting more traction on a couple ends because it's not just a woman saying this; it's somebody from like the porn industry. And secondly, it does violate like campaign what an individual can can donate to a campaign. So on one hand, if the lawyer's saying, "Oh, I paid this," okay, well, if you paid it, then you're. You, you, you know, that these laws were broken on this side of the fence. If he paid it, then these laws were broken on this side yeah, of the fence. Yeah, exactly. Well, didn't he, like, didn't the guy, uh, the campaign advisor who apparently financed or paid off this hush, used his money to pay Stormy Daniels, didn't he, like, finance, refinance his home or something That's like what that? he said. He said he took the money out of a line of equity from his home. Mm. And, and it's one of those things, like, so he's... Because the Donald doesn't surround himself with the best people as he as he's always claimed, um, and so and what I love, I love that his lawyer's name is Ty Cobb. Like like that. Yeah. That's what I absolutely love. Yeah. Um, Do you think he's a drunken racist like the original? <laughs> well, let's see. He's a friend of Donald Trump, so uh, I'm going to say yes. But oh, I'm going to take the I'm going to take one for the team. I'm just going to say, well, I paid it myself. Well, then if you paid it yourself, these are the laws that were broken. Right. Don't. And if he paid it, well, this is open some. But it's one of those things, again, like how many of these scandals, you know, it never happened. I don't know this person. This never, you know, fake news. But right. on the other hand, oh, this proves it. You know what I mean? It's like. Well, I mean, let's put it this way. When you went into your neighbor's home and you stumbled upon his so-called porn collection or his Republican <laughs> reading material, uh, were there any stories about the scandals in those magazines? Well, funny, no. Funny. Do you think that the channels that he may no, watch at but, night has stories about this? But let's get back to, to Uranium One. Oh, right, <laughs> yes. You know. Right. Let, let, let's get back to the world where, um, we've said in, it so many times, yeah. I, I'm becoming a fan of, of Fox News solely because in that world, Hillary's president. <laughs> I, I like to live in the Fox News world because Hillary Clinton, by all accounts... Is the president. So it makes it bearable to watch that because otherwise, uh, no, it, but but it is. How many times is it like, you know, like, you know, he, he claims it's like, oh, this vindicates me, but it never happened. Well, why do you need to be vindicated if it never happened? You know, did it? Uh, and again, now it brings back, you know, all the good thing is the Me Too movement hadn't started 
when 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 the eleven woman had came forward during the campaign, and he was adamant, like, like this isn't through the grapevine. This isn't reported. You know, you've heard the clip where he's like, "They're all lying," and right after the election, I'm suing all of them, which he never has. never does. No. So yeah, you can't right. So, are you saying that this man is untrustworthy? How dare you? I'm saying he's unfit for office. Uh, but the good thing he's is... He's unfit for a chair. <laughs> Let alone an office uh, with many chairs. That's, that, that is... Uh, but, but the story's not going to go away. I mean, that... But, on the other hand, because it's not going to go away, all the other shit that we've always talked about, like, you know, while... while the Mueller thing, while the Stormy Dave, you know, he repealed, and it was one of those, you know, repealing an Obama thing about, you know, um, mines or mineral mines being able to dump their waste back into drinking water. It's it's something out of The Simpsons where The Simpsons figured out was it the Blinky episode? <laughs> yes, and that's way back. That's twenty plus years. That was ago. first season. That was that OG. was first season. Yes, and now, and I'm not making up. It, it, that's gotten the most liberal. You know, news stations aren't talking about that because it doesn't move the needle like this. Yeah. But you know what isn't going, else isn't going away? What is that? These meddling kids in Florida. <laughs> and, and seriously, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to get too happy about it because why they're in the limelight. But no. they're not. There's, there's been no wavering. And they're, they are not letting it cycle out of the news. And you know who else is stepping in now is... Um, a gentleman by the name of uh, Fred Guttenberg. Yeah. Do you yeah. know who Fred Guttenberg is? F- Fred is the dad of one of the 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 fourteen year olds. Yes. And that guy, seriously, if I, if I hated somebody, I wouldn't wish for them to go through what he's going through. Um, but but he's just been a rock star. Yeah. I mean, he made an excellent point in front of a Senate hearing. Or was it the Senate? I'm not sure. Maybe a congressional hearing about um, gun violence and what to do. And he. Brings up the point that this crap on NRA TV is hate speech, and if this was put out by a terrorist organization, our threat, their, the terror threat would have been raised by now because we would have seen it as you know a, a clear and present danger to our safety. But yet, no, it's the NRA. We know where they're all about. We know where their money goes, so we ignore them. And he spoke with such passion and in su- such angst, you know, and hurt in his voice, but so eloquent and he was very very direct and in the biggest point he made is like not only if anybody put that out with the terrorists but how are they allowed to control washington how do they how are they allowed to lobby and be this influential and not only that how are they allowed to be a tax exempt 501c3 organization like they are just like every check check off every box on the evil list you know they they are uh they purport to, you know, they purport uh, to be, uh, you know, for gun safety, or, uh, but they are actually calling for the heads of journalism. You know, they demonize free speech. They demonize, uh, they demonize the victims of gun violence, um, but yet they are tax exempt. They are, they are the, probably one of the biggest lobbyists in the United States. And um, they're almost, I mean, geez, they're almost and, like the church. And they're so... And <laughs> almost the, like the, the church. The difference between them and the church is their membership is small. Yeah. I mean, they, they, re- 
the most I've ever heard is that, you know, they have 5 million members. We're a country of like over 300 million. So you're talking less than 2%. But what's the median income of those members? Well, that's the thing. It's like, oh, gee, the one percenters the we always talk about, or the 1% of the one percenters, most of them happen to also, you know, funnel, funnel through this. Um, but it's crazy. So if 5 million people are in it, but yet over 75% of people in the NRA are for universal background checks, are for all these things. It's like, so you're talking the fringe. I mean, this is the fringe or the fringe between the Koch brothers and the Walmart heirs and the NRA. That That is who is, and again, the Koch brothers are batshit crazy. You know, you know the, the Koch brother who ran on the libertarian ticket in 1980, when you see what that platform is, and then 35 years later, you see where it is now, it's like, oh my God, he actually got this batshit crazy stuff to happen. Right. You know, and, and also, like, the hypocrisy is what really is awful. So, um, so the NRA has been one of those uh, state rights, state rights, state rights kind of thing. The state should decide X, Y, and C. And because of that, um, Chicago, Illinois, has some of the most restrictive gun violence, but they have the most gun deaths because Mike Pence's state right next to him of Indiana, it's basically, oh, you're white, here's your gun. You know, it's like, um, it's, 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 they have the most lax laws. So that's where all all the guns, I can't say all the guns, a majority of the guns used in these crimes and stuff like that in Chicago don't come from Illinois. They come from this. So they're like state rights, state rights. These kids, the parents actually got gun, uh, you know, for the first time in ever. Yeah, they have, they have gun reform in the state of Florida. And part of that gun reform was that they were going to raise the age. Of, I don't know if it was all guns or yeah, just all, all guns. All guns. All gun sales in the state of Florida. You have to be not 18 years old now. You have to be 21 years old. So what does the NRA do? Sue they the state sue of Florida. Sue the state of Florida. Yeah. And, and, and so that's because like, they call it the unconstitutional. On, on one hand, they're like the state should make up their own rules. They they didn't think that Florida was going to because let's face it, um, Rick Scott, their governor, is one of the A plus plus rated you know people for the NRA. It's it's very Republican. It's very highly rated. Most of the people in, in the positions of power are NRA supported. You know Mar- Marco Rubio. You go down the list. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't a landslide, but the Republican held House in the state of Florida. Now, granted, it wasn't it wasn't a complete win because there there's there's provisions to allow some teachers to carry guns. But the fact that anything got through at all with some positive things on it, that that alone is a huge win. And and then it was like, will Scott sign off on it? And he did. He signed. Now that is good and bad. Because it's it's good because it shows that there's progress and that there's pressure being put on politicians to not bow to every whim of the NRA. What's bad about it is that it humanizes most of these Republican candidates. See, we're not so bad. Now it's, oh, it's time to vote for us? Here. Here's what we did for you in the past. Don't vote us out because we're compassionate conservatives. You know, we're for the Second Amendment. But we are also kind of, sort of, maybe not really for common sense gun laws. Bullshit. This is a stopgap to make the Republicans look good. It's fine that they're doing it. It's good, but it's not something that the Democratic side or the the liberal side or the gun control side should see as a win. This is, it's a tie at best. It's a, right. Okay. But at least 
I mean, if keep it, your eye on the prize. If it was, if it was, thank you. But if it was California, if it was New York, if it was Massachusetts, we'd be like, well, of course it passed there. But the fact that it did pass in Florida is a good thing, and the fact that to to counter that point because you're 100 percent right that it does humanize them. Thank goodness if the NRA turned around and sued the states because now you can say it's like, are you still take Marco Rubio in your state? Are you still going to take NRA money from the people who are suing your state for passing any government? I take any money um, from anybody that uh, backs my agenda. Right. And so – but now that's the thing. It's like, okay, like the NRA even needed to be exposed more as a terrorist organization now that they're suing – his state, after his party voted for these, this this reform, that his governor voted for the reform, I mean, may, maybe hopefully that anybody, it, it distanced them from that. Right. But the great thing is not every Republican went along. Only a couple. Only, you know, they, 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 only a few. Because you have that one woman who you saw all over Twitter screaming and and I'm trying going to try to remember the great quote because she her her grammar at the end you know proved that she went to school in Florida where she was like you know children don't make the laws are there any children here and when she says that she's like talking like this six year old on the floor it's like you know you know we make the laws we're the grown up we has the wisdom and you're like is that it's like it's like you know. Uh, um, it was just asking him, but the, the venom in her voice. But this is the great thing. On one hand, they're saying, you know, these kids have no right. Oh, because she made the asinine point. It's like, oh, if when we pass a law saying no homework if the kids want it, no homework. It's like, no, the kids aren't saying no homework. They're saying, can we not get shot with military-grade weapons while we're doing our these homework? These are all, yeah, straw man, you know, um, accusations and uh, and and. and yeah, it's it's something that we have to again try to. We, we it's hard for the it's hard now because everybody's so narrow casted to you know. I mean, speaking of narrow casted, this podcast literally narrow cast to like I think <laughs> seven people, but it's hard because you're usually preaching to the converted. You're in your own vacuum and reaching across the aisle and reaching to those who think differently from you. I'm trying to get them to think rationally and not so angrily and passionately and fervently. I mean, it, passion is one thing, but there's this blind rage that seems to and, that seems to permeate that culture of of, of not. It's not even like I, I'm choking on my own rage here, as you can tell. But um, it's something that we're gonna have. It's it, it's 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 an ongoing challenge for anybody on the more liberal side to have to get the other side to con- to convince it's it's neither side are, are doing a good job of convincing each other it's pretty divided and then when you're when you're listening to podcasts about guns instead of podcasts about gun control it's hard to get out of that and it's hard to step back if you're if you are a, a super gun advocate if you are a big second amendment guy a real american it's hard to step back. At least I know I'm free. <laughs> yeah, right. It's hard to be, it's hard to be a rational person when you're surrounded by that, and it's and it's kind of the reason why I personally I like Rachel Maddow and her what she's doing, but I don't watch all that shit. I don't dive into the Huffington Post. I don't surround myself with. I mean, I'm a super I'm a liberal guy, 
But I do every now and then kind of dip my toe on the other side and say, well, what are these people looking at? What are these people thinking? Why are they thinking like this? And, you, you know, it's, it's probably something we all should be doing is not being the Republican, ver- the Democratic version of the Republicans. We, right. You know what I mean? You can't be like this uber-liberal guy and you can't be these – you don't want to get sucked into the, your own vortex where you start demonizing Republicans all the time to the point where – you can't. Well, there's a reason. Like, one of the ma- mistakes that the Democrats made is like, okay, a lot of the things that Bernie was saying resonated with people who voted for Trump. Why did those people vote Trump instead of voting the other way if they voted? You know what I mean? It's like because the thing is, we didn't. There wasn't enough attention paid. We we again we got caught up too much in the pussy grabbing Stormy Davis, not to find out why some of their supporters were their supporters. Like like a lot of people were overlooked. A lot a lot of people you know w- you know were overlooked. But but getting back to like you know this closing out on the the Florida thing. You know one of the things is you know they're screaming on the floor saying. You know, these are children we shouldn't be listening to. But on the other hand, it's like a lot of these aren't children. A lot of these kids were seniors who were so were seventeen and eighteen years old and stuff like that. So on one hand, you can't say, you know, we shouldn't be listening to their voices. But let's say I concede that point. Okay, we shouldn't be listening to their voices. They're too young to be, you know, be making these laws. But they're old enough to buy these guns either now or in five months when they turn eighteen. So, yeah. so which is it? Are they too young to have a voice, but yet they're old enough to go and buy a machine gun? It, 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 I mean that that's the that's the acidity. Yeah, I know. And it's it, again, we're kind of we're kind of talking in circles here. But we, we I think you and I both know where each other stand. Um, I don't know. Let's get off of this. And I you know I do want to move down this list because we you do have a hefty list. I'm only on page one of seven. <laughs> Of the topics that you want to well, talk about on this so, podcast. So, so, so Florida passed something. We will call it a tie. Uh, but at least the nuclear crisis with North Korea is over. Right. Why, why are we all, eliminated. Because we're all dead now? Because <laughs> by the time this airs, we'll have all been obliterated from the planet? Because according to all people in the room and on a bunch of different things you know um after a short very short meeting with south korea uh blotus also in an attempt to change the narrative of the stormy davis headline decides he's going to meet with kim jong-un yeah right he's breaking decades old traditions of you know uh diplomatic uh practices in the united states and uh yeah he's I don't. I don't get. Again, I don't get what the end game is for Donald Trump. Spoiler: There is no end game for Donald Trump when it comes to this stuff. Um, but it's not going to move the needle on anything. I. I, I don't think. I, I. I think it's just. Uh, it, I think it's just Donald Trump trying to look like he can mend fences, that he can do things that other presidents couldn't do. You know, I don't know if this is a. It, it's his. It's his. Uh... Nixon going to China moment, or that's. But the thing is, you, you, okay. Hmm. The credit where the credits due is, I would much rather there be talks of talks than the name calling on Twitter. Then, then you know, because you know when when he came out and said, you know, uh, if they test any more missiles, they're going to see like you know fire and fury like they've never seen before. And the very next day, you know, North Korea tests a missile. And fires it over Japan. You know what I mean. So it's like, is talking 
a positive step or, or, or talking about talking a positive step, I, I want to say yes. But, but and, 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 you know, I, I look, I don't want to be negative about like everything because, you know, I remember flashing back to the day after Osama bin Laden was killed. The people on Fox News, like there was a woman who broke down and cried. I remember John Stewart, like they on that one day, they couldn't say anything bad about Obama. Like, like he did what Bush couldn't do. He did what we said was the most important thing. It's like, and the fact that they couldn't find a way to discredit him for doing it or to give credit to somebody else. So I don't want to say, but if this was a planned out thing, if this was a coordinated effort and not an off the cuff remark, because just a few hours earlier, literally just a few hours earlier, you know, um, you know, Uncle Rex w- was at a conference in Africa and, you know, in a question and answer period was asked about North Korea and meeting with North Korea. And he flat out says, no, that's not going to happen for a while. A lot of things would have to be put in place because, I mean, to get these high level talks, I mean, you know, uh, uh, Nixon didn't pick up the phone and call China and says, hey, how's lunch for Wednesday next week? You know, there was there was meetings that went into meetings. It, it's a it's a long diplomatic process. Um, So here's your Secretary of State flat out saying, you know, no, there's nothing in the works, yada, yada, yada. Uh, And and then just hours later, having the rug pulled out from under him again, making this announcement. There's no concessions. There was no, okay, well, you say you're going to stop developing nukes until we talk. Great. Was there any procedures put in place? Like, before we went in and, and invaded Iraq, at least we did send people over there and stuff like that. There's been none of those. Oh, you're going to take him on his word that he's not going to test nukes for the next two months until you meet. So, yeah, who wins and who comes out looking better if— Kim Jong-un. Thank you. A hundred percent. Yeah, who comes out looking better if Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump were to meet and talk? Most likely it would happen over there. You know, it would be—because Kim Jong-un does not leave the—I don't think he leaves North Korea ever, no, right? No, never. And— it's one of those things where, why didn't Obama meet with him? Why didn't Bush meet with him? Why didn't Clinton meet with him? Why didn't George Bush Sr. meet with well, him? Well, meet with the family. Oh, meet with the family. You know, North Korea and, you know... Um, yeah, North Korea. And, and, I'm, and no, I'm, try, I'm, try, I'm trying to think the right way to say this. You know, I want to be semi-respectful with you know what my mother-in-law being a refugee for, or, or yeah, refugee yeah. from North Korea. Um, seriously, uh, you don't want to legitimize them. And right, the, that's and, it. And and, and and the reason none of these presidents have met before in North Korea, I sent I sent Joe an article the other day, and I've seen articles like this a number of times. The crazy batshit thing that a lot of North Koreans believe about that family and the lineage of that family and being ordained from God and just the wacky shit. Like they literally believe, well, a lot of people, I can't say everybody. There's many who literally believe Kim Jong-un doesn't go to the bathroom, that his body chemistry is so perfectly aligned that anything he eats is turned into fuel for the body, that it doesn't create waste, that he is that perfectly engineered from God. And and, and again, it sounds like I'm making up. That's what a lot of people believe this stuff. And so... Or so the Germans would have us believe. <laughs> Blame that one. On <laughs> but they... Um, but the, but the fact is, when you legitimize him, when you put him on stage, there's a reason they're not at the G20 summit. 
There's a reason they're not at. Obviously, if you don't make the G20 summit, you don't make the G8 yeah. summit. Uh, they're not. They're not an economic power. Uh, now they are a, a nuclear power. We, we we know that much. But if if your president gets on a plane and goes and sees him, Kim Jong Un looks even better to his. <laughs> Trump won't visit California. <laughs> right. <laughs> like he's going to fly to North Korea and legitimize this cocksucker. Well, that's the thing. And, well, you know, um, jumping around a little bit, shock, shock. Like last night at his, he, he went to have a rally for a guy running for Congress in Pennsylvania, and it was a t- complete Trump rally. He, you know, and of course, he, when he mentions, you know, Kim Jong-un and people start booing and, and like, no, no, no name calling. You know, he's a good guy. We're, you know, this is great that we're talking. He 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 praises Kim Jong-un and, and bashes the, the free press here. You know, he praises Kim Jong-un and says, you know, I've talked to other leaders like, you know, in China and other places, the Philippines, about shooting drug dealers now. Like, like just killing. You know, now, when I say drug dealers, I'm talking the black guy selling weed on the corner. I'm not talking the white doctors pushing the opiate crisis because those aren't drug dealers no uh, but the thing with kim jong-un yeah he he already looks better you know now let me ask you joseph does a meeting happen um nah i don't think it does i think <laughs> honestly i think this is like week one of many of just nonsense i know honestly no it doesn't happen I'm, i i actually do want to push this off of off our plate because we are I'm trying to keep this in real time we're right. in 40 minutes here oh. these poor people have fallen asleep to us ranting and raving about gun control and Stormy Daniels and North Korea we're going to zip right, right to past terror right right to the happiness i mean uh, unless Good. you unless you want to go i know. don't okay well, we'll just say the funny thing is the red line with the GOP was trade tariffs. It wasn't anything anything else that we've mentioned awful. The only thing they pushed back on is the is the off the cuff remark again about the trade tariffs. That's what it takes. Yeah, that's what it takes. And we don't have any sort of witty comment or any sort of perspective of ours to add to this. We're just going to report these things to you and then you decide how you want to feel about so these l- items. So let's get into the good stuff. Um to prove I'm not a <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not um, misogynist. Misogynist, thank you. We're, we're, <laughs> I had many adjectives to choose from. <laughs> Luckily, I got the right one. Uh, we are going to continue with our, you know, for Women's History Month. Pre- you know, preface it because uh, we're not going to give women credit the other eleven months of the year. Um, talk about like women in history as it relates to comedy and entertainment. Uh, last week, I talked way too much about like a hero of mine, Emma Jean Coca. This week, I submit to you, Joe, the talents of one Cloris Leachman. Brilliant. Yeah. She's uh, a very funny woman uh, on and off the screen yes. for many decades. I, but the crazy thing is she's pushing 90. She still works. I like to say she's pulling 80. <laughs> Go on. Um, Her career, and I'll back it up and say, I've met with her a number of times. I've been in her house a number of times. I worked on a show that she was on a number of times. Um, I can honestly say uh, all my personal dealings with her have been great. Like uh, her daughter, um, 
was a receptionist at one of the post houses that I worked in L.A., and I met with her because there's never been a documentary on her. And her career that has gone from the 40s till today, like she was a radio personality. As a child actor, she did like, you know um, – uh, you know, and again, it was one of these funny things. She was a uh, beauty contest winner in her teens that led to or her early teens that led to doing some radio stuff. Her career is so remarkable. When you look at um, if you IMDb her, some of the movies that you you might like that don't even know she's in because she played either a small part like um, she was in one of my favorite movies, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, which I've seen. I, I don't know how many times. And it wasn't to like. You know, about 10 years ago, what came up in conversations like, oh, yeah, she played the hooker in Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. I'm like, no, she, oh, my God. And then you had to look how, like, just how different she looked. Yeah. I mean, and, but of course, you know, you know, uh, as far as Joe's concerned, like, you know, her, uh, her, her time on, you know, within the Mary Tyler Moore universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, being on Mary Tyler Moore, uh, being, you know, a, you know, a prominent character on Rhoda and then her own show, uh, Phyllis. So, I mean, between just between those three sitcoms alone, she was huge. I mean, she's on that. Is that show The Middle still on TV? The Middle? Oh, you're, you're talking about Malcolm in the Middle. She was on. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, The Middle is on, but she wasn't on that. But she was on Malcolm in the Middle which with Brian Cranston and... Um woman and and, <laughs> and 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 my personal friend Christopher Kennedy Masterson. Yep, and Kenneth Mars. Right, Kenny Mars and Cloris Leachman were a couple. And so, oh no, were they a couple on that show? I don't think. They no, were. no, no. Cloris Leachman played another woman. Yeah, uh, but she she has she she's done so many, uh, and and of course, uh, Young Frankenstein. Right. Yes, yes, I'll say it. <laughs> he was my boyfriend. Frau Bluka, how do you say? Frau Bluka. Oh man. <laughs> um, but again, I mean, this is somebody whose career she she was established before television was a thing. How many Emmy awards has she won? She has. One have been nominated for because uh, no one one. Eleven, eight. Okay, uh, which is tied a record tied with Julia Louis Dreyfus. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. She's she's been nominated. One of the interesting things, and I don't know the number, but I know she's been nominated for more Emmys for different characters yes. than anybody in TV, male, woman. No man, woman. It doesn't matter. Uh, she has played so so. So it's not like. She was on a long-running show and kept getting, you know, nominated for the same character. All the different characters that she has played, she's been nominated for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will tell you my favorite personal story. Uh, she was on Touched by an Angel when I was working on that. When you walk in the her, I, see, I, I, I'm, I almost freaked Jack out because I he thought that I knew the words to Touch My Angel theme song, and I only knew the first three w- words, which honestly is three more than I knew. Uh, so uh, we shot the show in, in Salt Lake City, but it was written and and posted in Los Angeles, um, and. It, it didn't happen once. It happened a couple times, and then they stopped delivering scripts to her room. Why uh, is that? She would always answer the door naked. Ooh, not, ah. not, not, not in a robe. 
Not like, you know, covered up in a towel, you know. And at this point, she's in her 70s, and she just thought it was hilarious when some poor PA or writer's assistant would have to bring revisions because they were always constantly rewriting the show. So every every day at the hotel, the actors were given, you know, the sides and the scripts of tomorrow. She was always answering the door completely naked. And, and then finally they're like... Yeah, she can just leave it down at the desk. And the hotel wouldn't send it up either. They they were on to her. More like clitoris leechman. <laughs> <laughs> but but every time I met her, completely nice. But you know, aside from the you know, the personal note on it, it's like this is somebody that when you see like the length of her career from a radio star, a TV star, and then of course and and you know I'm gonna say, you know, Butch Cassidy is definitely my top Fifteen and, and, and Young Frankenstein probably in my top twenty-five. So she's you know in two of my top twenty-five movies. Um, and again, the fact that she's still working on a regular basis, you know, today it, it's absolutely amazing. Um, she is. It's one of those things. She always works, and 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 still this this was gosh, this is. 2000 That I, I'm meeting with her, um, and her rep at the time about trying to get a, a documentary off the ground on her, and I still don't think one's been done. Yeah, that's too bad. Um, it wasn't... What, what was a big show? I'm trying to think. There was a big show at the time. It was kind of like behind the music, but for actors. Oh, any biography. Any biography. Thank you. And I was like, how haven't they done one on her? And, and maybe they have. I haven't, you know, watched in a few years. Yeah, I, I guess you kind of know why. Yeah, because <laughs> you only do it naked. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. So, all right. Well, we 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 honor you, the Cloris Leachman. Um, you know, uh, yeah, women, comedy, funny <laughs> but, stuff. Uh, but, talk. Mary Tyler Moore, you know, quintessential game changing TV show, and she was at the epicenter of it. Well, you know, you're not a misogynist. Uh, there we've, you we've, go. We've, we've 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 proven it here. So. Why don't we... Um, hey, why do women wear white on their wedding day? Because a dishwasher should match the stove. And I can say that now because... <laughs> Joe, Joe, come back. Joe! <laughs> um, while I'm hiding my head in shame, <laughs> why don't we listen to this defunct sponsor of DeVeek? Prodigy makes your PC a powerful tool. And listen, there's even an encyclopedia. Awesome. I do my shopping at home. I pay my bills. And I can learn something new. Prodigy even has a 21-volume electronic encyclopedia that's updated quarterly. All right, Prodigy. Just press a couple of keys. Prodigy connects your computer to sports, news, shopping, and an encyclopedia that never goes out of date, all for only $12.95 a month, including 30 messages. You have just got to get this thing. It's even got an encyclopedia. Prodigy. In stores everywhere. Moving on... Big, big week for a uh, a huge hero of both of ours. Mark Hamill finally got his star on the Walker Fame. Did he get the star for his um, his rendition of the Joker reading Donald Trump tweets? Which I I wish he he was he kept doing. It's all encompassing. Yeah, I don't think he's I don't think he's officially stopped doing Mark Hamill. I mean uh, Donald Trump tweets, but. Yeah, he uh, did you see him on Saturday Night Live? I'm not Saturday Night Live, idiot. Jimmy Kimmel Live? No. He did a little bit. It was nice. It was him jackhammering a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And it was, uh, you know, i got to make room for my star. So he's jackhammering a star, and it's, you know, it's Jimmy Kimmel's star. He's <laughs> like, you know, there's another space down the street maybe you could uh, make room for. 
Although I was hoping and praying that it was a Donald Trump star. Like, you know, because it was him literally jackhammering and then him panning down to, to reveal the star. But uh, anyways. What was the highlight for you of, of, of Mark Hamill getting a star? <laughs> I didn't see the ceremony, but I saw the, the line that Harrison Ford oh. said. I mean, I don't want to spoil it for anybody unless you want to reveal it. it. It's been out for days. It's yes. great because you told me, so I Googled it, and the video came up. Wow. Uh, you say it because you're, you're, the, you're the Han Solo guy here. Well, well, well he's, uh, he, you know, Mark's standing next to him, and he's l- kind of looks behind him, looks around, and goes, I had a lot more people at my side or at my star revealing. Pause this, looks behind a lot more, <laughs> you know? and 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 it, and it was nice. And then he he of course said, you know, that you know he just wished the three of them were there together, Aww. you know. And he goes, and, and then in a very Jedi type way, he goes, you know, but I feel a presence, you know. Very um, nice. And the thing with Mark Hamill, truly, it, which was which was you know great for me. For me, um, yeah. Had I not married an Asian, um, I was always planning on naming a son Luke after Luke Skywalker. But I didn't think I'd have a kid with blonde hair and blue eyes. I didn't. I didn't think my Aryan race, you know, <laughs> genes was so strong that Aryan it would, race <laughs> genes that it would uh, that it would that, that my Aryan race genes would trump. Those of of the Asian genes. No, I always was going to name a kid Luke, and then of course you know. I mean, between Star Wars and Batman, does that epitomize, like, you know, that Star Wars, Batman? Right. I think you want to have Mark Hamill as your, like, adopted. Yeah, if he was a Pats fan, I I think he'd be sucking his dick on a daily basis. Don't don't judge me. No, you know? I'm not. But, stating facts. But it, but it was it, it was great. It was, I, it, but it's one of those things. It's like when I, you've been out to Hollywood and you see the walk and you're looking down and you're like. How does this person have a star? How did it take this long for Mark Hamill to have a star? Well, I mean, honestly, you got to pay for your own star. Let's be honest. There's all you have to be nominated, and there has to be so many signatures. Yeah, there's a petition, but then there's like a fee. I think honestly, it's it just comes down to uh, signatures, fee, and space. I don't know. But the, but you do you see some people who are like really this 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 well Donald Trump has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and he was on a reality television show yeah no that doesn't surprise me if you can buy, if there's something you can buy your way into then then that's that's and I, you gotta wonder who paid for that star like it wasn't out of his pocket you know damn well sure oh I, I'm sure NBC the paid NRA for no it's yeah. <laughs> close the NBC um but yeah it was great um. You know, it, it, it's it's only a two and a half minute Harrison Ford thing, but it's it's worth the Google. Um, so, congratulations, Mark Hamill, and you're free to do our podcast anytime you want. So, um, <laughs> thank you for. Uh, I'm quite sure. Biff, could you call him? Uh, but but uh, before we get into Joe's random video game review of the week, big news in the Smash Brothers world. Are you just seeing that now? <laughs> no, I saw, I saw the Nintendo Direct. What so what happens is then. Nintendo does their own online announcements videos every like quarter, every three months. And uh, this week they had their Nintendo Direct for uh, you know some upcoming games this year. Um, and the last the last sort of sneak preview that they gave was for a new Super Smash Brothers game for the Nintendo Switch, which is great. I mean, the Nintendo Switch, I'm happy to see for Nintendo's sake. Is a huge success. Your son has a, your kids have a switch. I have a switch, obviously. 
but it's also nice to see that there are switches. Do your children have a switch? <laughs> yeah, no. They, um, they, can, you know, they can look at mine every once in a while. <laughs> I'll tell them all about it. But it's nice also to see when you go into a Target that there are still sh- like switches in this in this uh, in the cases, and it's not like oh you know it's they're just lingering there or whatever they're just sitting around gathering dust. I'm pretty sure that they will be moving along on a, on a regular clip. And now that Super Smash Brothers, for those of you who don't know, shame on you. Super Smash Brothers is a popular video game series that started with the Nintendo 64. Um, it's a game. Oh, it's that old. Yeah, it came out like in ninety. Oh, I thought I thought because because we jumped on the bandwagon with the Wii U. I thought it was a Wii U game. No, it, you want the history of Super Smash Brothers? I, I very much would. Super Smash Brothers was uh, it's designed by Hal Laboratory, who does like the Kirby adventure games, and they're kind of like the they're they they've had a close partnership with Nintendo for years, for decades, and in the Nintendo sixty four era, they designed a game. That they weren't. They actually designed this game not knowing whether or not Nintendo would even go for it because Nintendo has always been famously, you know, holding their intellectual properties close to their chests and not letting other people fuck with it. Um, Super Mario Brothers movie, notwithstanding, but <laughs> <laughs> but still, they designed this game uh, basically as sort of like a side project. They said, "Well, what if, wouldn't it be cool if, like, you know, like." We would treat these Nintendo figures like Mario, Luigi, and Donkey Kong and treat them like action figures being played by, like, a kid in his room where they're fighting each other. But, you know, you're controlling the characters, and it's just a fighting game with all of these, you know, uh, iconic Nintendo characters, like, uh, like Link from The Legend of Zelda and so on and so forth, and Kirby from uh, Kirby's Adventure. And they designed this game, and they were like, you know, they kind of pitched the idea to Nintendo, and Nintendo's like... I don't know. Maybe it's kind of interesting. It's like, well, here's the game. Like, they not. It was like a working prototype of the game that they didn't like. It wasn't sanctioned by anybody. It was just sort of like something done on the side. So it's like, well, here, we'll give this a shot, and they loved it, and it's been history ever since. So they've now. This is like I think the fifth. This will be the fifth Smash Brothers game because it was Super Smash Brothers for the Nintendo 64, and then when the GameCube came out, which was after the 64, there was a what many people. In the Super Smash Brothers community, see, uh, deemed to be the definitive competitive Smash Brothers game. Like there's a comp- there's a competitive um, universe surrounding this game. I don't know if you know that. Uh, I, it, what little I know about Super Smash Brothers is my niece's last boyfriend traveled the country far and wide playing Smash Brothers. Yeah. Um, oh, is it a stoner? Not that there's <laughs> not that there's a correlation between the two. Yeah, you know. Um, you know, as long as you're not doing it while you're playing the game, I think it could be competitive in it. But Super Smash Brothers Melee came out for the Nintendo GameCube. That with the controller, like the whole, just that was like the perfect storm of like the perfect fighting game with this um, with this set of characters. But then when the Wii came out, they came out with Super Ma- Smash Brothers Brawl, an improvement in graphics, an expansion of the universe. It had a one-player uh, storyline, which was well received. Um, but it was kind of knocked a little bit on the on the gaming side, on the competitive side, because there were like glitches or something. I don't know. It gets, it gets technical. And then when the Wii U came out, they came out with two versions for the Wii U. Well, I'm sorry, a version for the Wii U in parallel with a a port to the Nintendo 3DS. So there was oh. Super Smash Brothers for the Nintendo 3DS, which was kind of pared back, but it had some other functionalities, not as many characters. Oh, I'm sorry, there there were the same amount of characters. 
for both, but the functionalities were kind of different. Like there were some uh, modes in the 3DS version that weren't available in the Wii U version. Anyways, long story short, yeah. So now Switch is going to have a new Smash Brothers, which is great because that will definitely, if if Super Mario, the new Super Mario and the Zelda game didn't sell Switches, Smash Brothers will because that's where you get competitive online play. That's where you know, your so-called hardcore gamers, like that's like, for Nintendo, that's their hardcore gamer title. You know, like they're, the people who play Call of Duty, the people who do that, you know, Overwatch. on yeah, Overwatch, like they will go to Smash Brothers. Like they might not play Super Mario Odyssey, they may not, Zelda might not be their jam, but for fighting competitively, they will go to Super Smash Brothers. I've seen Joe's oldest, you know, son like is a, is a big Smash Brothers guy. My oldest one is a Smash Brothers, and the little one. And, so I've seen them play it a hundred times. I understand the scoring system about as much as I do Australian World Football. There's no scoring system. It starts off, each character starts off with 0% damage. And then there's no marker with which to defeat the character, like your opponent. So your, apparent, your, your opponents or yourself can withstand, you can get like 100% damage. You can get to 200% damage. If you're... If you're lucky enough, you can even get up to like 300% damage and not be knocked off the screen. The whole point of the, I guess the only way to be eliminated is if you fall off the border of the screen. So, the, you know, like there's a, remember the old TV safe zones mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, there would be their overscanned part of the screen where you couldn't see on outside the borders. If you knock your opponent or yourself outside the borders of the TV screen, then you're knocked out and, you know, if your damage is higher than your opponent, say, uh, the more the higher your your damage uh, percentage gets, the more susceptible to knockout hits you are. So yeah, you could have you know three hundred percent damage and still be in the game. And and the pain in the ass, and when I the, one of the reasons I hate when the boys play the game is there are a bazillion characters. All the main characters from all the main Nintendo games are in there, and arguing over who gets to be this one or or who gets to be this or I get to. But but now, like the last time I poked my head in, I was here last week, and I'm like, well, who's that? Oh, that's a Wii Fit trainer. <laughs> it's like, how the fuck is a Wii Fit trainer? Um, now, this is why it's made big news in my house. The little guy, or the oldest one, lives for Overwatch, or lived for Overwatch. Now, most of his wardrobe is still Overwatch apparel. His hat, his, 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 his winter gloves, his sweatshirt. His sweatshirt is so ragged and worn out because he wears it every day. He's 10, so it has to be washed every couple days. Unlike my sweatshirts that I can go a good two, three weeks without having to walk. Uh, but he, he's moved on, and now, you know, Smash Brothers is one of his big ones. But him and your little guy are, are big Splatoon guys. Well, now that was a big announcement in our household that the, the Inklings, the, is that what they're called? Because yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at you. I like, didn't know. I, honestly, if it wasn't for the video and, like, the subsequent, like, fan videos about it. I wouldn't have known that they were called the Inklings. So the Inklings from Splatoon are now going to be available in Smash Bros. Yeah. So good for them. And it, uh, it, it makes sense. Splatoon is a Smash hit for Nintendo. It's mostly Nintendo characters that are in Smash Brothers. Sometimes you'll get the outside peripheral characters, like Mega Man is a Smash Brother character now. Uh, you would get um, Pac-Man is a Smash Brother character. Uh, you know, then there's always the fan, you know, fan favorites that haven't made, they haven't broken the plane, like Qbert. 
Like some people want oh. Qbert. Well, what was the one that we were watching when the, when the boys were playing after last week's podcast? I poked my head upstairs, and and your guy was playing Snake. Oh yeah, Snake <clears throat> from well, that Snake wasn't in the last game. They took him out of the the Wii U version, but you will probably see, they were probably playing the game. Oh no, the Brawl, the the Wii version, uh, Super Smash Brothers Brawl, where Snake from Metal Gear. It's a Konami series. It uh, debuted on the Nintendo Entertainment System back in the 80s. Uh, but like all the subsequent games that popularized it, that really like put it over the top, were uh, made popular on the PlayStation. You know, like I have Metal Gear Solid for the PlayStation. It's like one of the, it's like, it was like the first big cinematic video game. Like this is like a movie, but being played as a, as a video game. But yeah, so Solid Snake was the character. Uh, that you might have been seeing, and 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 so Snake isn't the guy from Contra, just looks like the guy from Contra. Right, exactly. He's a totally different guy. Because I did when I saw him, I'm like, well, I don't know the guy's name from Contra was Snake. It isn't. It's why. All right, enough talking about those video games. Let's get to the random video game review <laughs> of the week. So what I'm gonna do? Are, are you gonna do this? Are you gonna? Do you want? Would you like to? Yeah. Yeah. Why do I do this? Because I won't even look at the board. I'll right. Just, exactly. Okay. So I'm. So what's gonna happen is I because. Jean Jacques is, you know, impaired, and uh, we don't have a, you know, a wheelchair ramp to get to my <laughs> video games. I'm going to uh, stumble over. I'm going to pick a game off the shelf uh, that I'm not going to look at. I'm going to let Jacques tell me where to to put my hand on the. Hello. Yeah. T- <laughs> tell me on the shelf where he touched. Hashtag me too. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm going to pull the game off myself, and then I'm going to review it, and we're all going to have a good time together. One moment, please, Jacques. You keep vamping while I'm. So. <laughs> talking. Well, okay, so Joe knows my love for beatboxing <laughs> is unmatched, and nothing says uh, podcast uh, gold like a white guy beatboxing. Right, what I want, now what I'm doing is I'm, I'm fanning my hand over the games, and I'm not looking, and he's going to yell stop. And no, I'm whammies, no, whammies, no whammies, no whammies, no whammies, no whammies, no whammies. Stop. I don't know what it is. 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 All right, so it's from the bottom row. It's in the it's in the T's. Uh, let's see. It's not Top Guns one or two. It's not Total Recall. It's not Twin Cobra. It's between Total Recall and Twin Cobra. What is it? Um, going on, man. Come on, pull it together. Is it, uh, it's, no, man, it's Total Recall, Twin Cobra. God damn it, I don't know what I have over there. What is it? Is it, uh, Totally Rad? No, I don't know what it is. No, wait, wait, wait. Uh, Is it Track and Field? Oh. Two? Yes! There we go. There we go. Look at you. Track and Field 2. This is a great game. Made by Konami. Everybody who had a Nintendo knows what track and field is. It's uh, the Olympics kind of rip-off-y game where you play all sorts of games. Oops. All sorts of events. And so track and field 2 is the heralded sequel to track and field 1. Uh, track and field 1, and by the way, in the arcade, had, the, um, had that uh, me- mechanism on the buttons where in order to run... Like if you were doing like a hundred yard dash, you would have to tap the left and right buttons like really fast in order to get going. Um, so that was like a big thing in the arcade. But Track and Field Two has shot put, archery, uh, long jump, 
It is canoeing, or kayaking, arm wrestling, um, pole vaulting, uh, hand gliding, skeet shooting, you name it. Uh, Taekwondo, I think, is one of them. Um, it's a great game. It's a, uh, it's got a, it's got a bit of a learning curve. With, you know, each event plays differently. You kind of have to read the manual to figure out how the game works for you know how the controls work for each game. But it's it's fun to play, especially it's, it's a two player game, so you're playing with a buddy, um, or you can play against the computer. Um, if you're playing against the computer, you're basically trying to get as far into the events as possible. You know, like trying to get. The highest, uh, you know, like the highest rating and moving and qualifying to move on to the next round. You don't want to get a game over because otherwise, game over. Game over. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, Track and Field 2 is a great game. And oh, I got to go over and see what the book is. uh, I'm I'm new to this. Yeah, because I usually do the heavy lifting when it comes to this. Um, So, Joe Joe is. Majestically prancing on over. Can you can you prance and do it majestically? Or are those two contradictory terms? Like a gazelle. <laughs> and so now he's looking up uh, track and field two. As uh, wait, wait, how many stars would you give it? I would give it four and a half stars. Four and a half stars. Well, lo and behold, he gives it four and a half stars. <laughs> I didn't just glance at that right before you asked me. So I'm re- of course referring to the ultimate Nintendo. Guide to the NAS Library, written by the great late Pat Country. No, wait, <laughs> sorry, I'm not breaking Who any was news. Found dead, <laughs> found dead in his Los Angeles apartment. Uh, this summer, this summer Olympic style game consists of 12 different events, and qualifying for the three events on each day continues the game. The events are very different from one another and are a great sampling of different sports: fencing, triple jump, freestyle swimming, hike dive. Clay pigeon suiting, hammer throw, taekwondo, pole vault, canoeing, archery, hurdles, canoeing, and horizontal bar. Uh, so it's a uh, it is a, a common, very common game, but it's a very good game. And um, I, you know what? I I might pop it in later. And, and, and that's uh, what he said. And if you didn't already own this piece of NES gold, <laughs> what would you be willing to go out on eBay and pay for it? Well, prices in NES games are coming down as of late, so I'm gonna say this game probably goes for. I'm gonna say seven dollars. You can get it for five, but oh, with shipping. Yeah, I see. But don't use FedEx because you know they still support the NRA. Exactly. Fuck FedEx. <laughs> Hashtag fuck FedEx. No, that that's that is that is pretty. That is pretty. You know, um, it's a pretty good review. I'm glad that a you guessed the game, and then <laughs> two you've actually played it. That's Yay! Always, that's right. That's a win win on the Carnival <laughs> Personal Podcast. So, what do you say? about this week's Netflix pick? What is your Netflix or TV? My TV pick. pick. I I heard. Big fan of John Oliver, as we both are. Finally tonight, John Oliver. <laughs> and uh, heard him on a NPR show the other day. And I'm thinking, you know, I because I don't have HBO, but I guess all his shows, like a couple days after, are, are up on YouTube. And I caught a couple. Um, there, what, what's great is, you know, much like his, his role on Daily Show with Jon Stewart, investigative stuff, kind of, you know, showing the absurdity of things in the news. One well, in his show, he does a much deeper dive, and they usually just do one topic. And unfortunately, his one-topic things are evergreens because they're major problems that won't go away. Um, you know, I think we've talked before about when he became a credit-collecting company, and, and his whole idea was to show you how easy it is 
to legally become a credit collecting agency, go out and buy debt, and literally, you know, start yeah, start making phone calls. And uh, and so and you know, and he was talking about another episode, which you know, I just saw where he became a televangelist, and how. Not only is it legal, but how simple it is to become a church, to ask people for money, and how almost no, no oversight. There is no oversight. They actually came up with a lot of money, and it was over the top. What do you do? You see this one? I did not. It, they they were like, you know, the church of robbing and stealing from the old and the stupid. Like that was the actual name of the church, something along those lines. And they collected money, and then they uh, just turned around and gave it to doctors without borders. And that's because they could have just kept it because there's nothing to say that you can't. By the way, just to wrap up, when he became a debt collector, what did he do when he bought all the the debts? He, he bought the debt for pennies on a dollar. It was like millions of dollars in student loan debts. No, no, no. Uh, for more, more mortgage medical, local? medical, oh, medical. Sorry, like like, and it was specifically like cancer. Like 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 people Cancer, who had expenses, it. right? So we bought them for like pennies on the dollar. It was probably like you know several hundred thousand dollars. I don't know. I don't know how much. Millions. Spent. It was a couple million. It was he. They they ended up buying a portfolio for like ten thousand dollars. Right. They spent ten thousand dollars, but the debts the debt the debts totaled over two million. So what did he do with those debts? Just called all the people and said your debt has been forgiven because you can actually do that. Wow. You can. And and what's shocking, and I think what John Oliver wanted to do was basically have people like you and I just buy people's debt and forgive them and, and forgive it and, and and that's crazy like why wouldn't you say you owed I don't know I guess if you're in that situation you don't have the financial means to buy out like debts you know pennies on the dollar like that so yeah I mean why that why aren't there more GoFundMe's for this sort of thing I mean it's it's crazy. It, uh, honestly, I guess because I, I, I just don't think people know. Because yeah. if you've ever been in debt, like there's certain kinds of debt that you know comes off your credit after like seven or eight years, and the closer you get to that window, but in the meantime, you can't get other loans and you can't get other things, and and how desperate the debt collecting gets. And it's funny because you know it's like when we left Los Angeles, we ended up getting a bill for cable the month after we moved to Qatar. Like it was they they billed us accidentally. And and, and the work that I had to, and I would have been, hey, here's a hundred bucks. I don't care. Get off me. But I had to track down the people who owned the debt because it had been sold to somebody who sold it to it was sold like five or six times in these packages. I couldn't call Verizon uh, or whoever it was. I don't remember who it was. Here's a Here's a cable bill I shouldn't be paying because I had canceled cable and moved around the world, but let me just pay it to get off here. And, and that's just how it works. But by the, t the closer you get to coming off your credit thing, it becomes less. But there, there are people who still owe twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 that he legally could have called and called and called and shown up and called and written and called their family and called these other people. And, and they just said, no, we, we, we just forgive it. But anyways, I... I recommend going to YouTube and looking up, um, wh what is it, Last Week? Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Yeah. Don't recommend um, subscribing to HBO like I do <laughs> because you don't get your money's worth. Let me just tell you. Um, no. and, I, and by the way, it doesn't make me upset in the least that there's free HBO out there when I'm paying for it. But that's fine. You know, that's the liberal in me. I don't mind paying for something that other people are leeching off of. <laughs> like hey, you know baby what I, food. <laughs> <laughs> Prenatal care. Yeah. Uh, do you do you got a, a pick? Yeah, uh, I did start watching a little bit of like catching up on Netflixy stuff last night, and you know what was surprisingly funny, and probably shouldn't have been surprisingly funny, 
the uh, comedy special of Judd Apatow. Oh. Judd Apatow, The Return. He does a stand-up special. Um, and he's really funny. I mean, a lot of it is like, here's my, my famous life. Here's what, you know, me and my famous wife went to, went to meet President Obama, and here are pictures and this and that. Here's a story behind it. So it's part storytelling, but it's a genuine stand-up. It's like him up there telling jokes. He does an incredible Bill Cosby impersonation. Had no idea. Oh, he rapes women. Two, three, four. <laughs> no, no, he does a great, you know, Bill Cosby impersonation which he, in which he does not rape women, but allegedly. Uh, but uh, it's worth it's worth a, uh, uh, a watching. And the reason why I think I was more drawn to it is because coming up, speaking of HBO, in two weeks, there's going to be a two-part uh, documentary uh, written and directed by Gary... Um, sorry, I blew it. By Judd Apatow about Gary Shandling. Oh, that's great! And uh, it's—I I forget what—I think it's called the Zen Life. There's actually a preview of it on um, online, the the Zen Life of Gary Shandling. And uh, yeah, it's basically stories because his Judd Apatow is essentially the widow Shandling. Like he was his writer for decades, and um, you know he um, he he was his you know his his closest friend. Um, and uh, he, what he also does have access to is uh, of Gary Shandling's diary. And in it, he kind of gets, he, he kind of pontificates about where he wants his career to go or what his next step was going to be. And, you know, I think, and I heard Judd in an interview say that he thinks that this type of documentary about his life and his personal life was probably something that he would want to have been a part of had he uh, not passed away. So um, it's but that uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. All of this is leading up to a Gary Shandling sideshow. Eventually, uh, but I saw that like the the Epitau thing came up on my. You might like this because you have no life and watch <laughs> lots of stand up things. And I thought, okay, I love his movies, and 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 when I hear him talk, he's funny. But is he our stand up comedy funny? Yeah. And I guess I guess it's worth the watch. It is. I guess now that for the next like six to eight weeks, I'm going to be watching a lot more TV. Oh man. Um. You know, because because uh, I'm a big sissy and <laughs> I broke my ankle. Um, I guess I'm giving you back Resident Evil Seven then, because you'll be getting a lot more hours out of it than I would. No, I'll just go over here and play. Okay. <laughs> but uh, but uh, so so parenting tip. I was uh, I got a parenting tip from our good friend All Star Tommy this week, who sent me an article, and it's awful. Um, woman in Ohio uh, works on a horse farm. Um, left her eight. Or seven, what is it? Eight-year-old. Eight and two-year-old at home. You know, because, you know, so that's my little guy, you know, Uh staying home with an infant. Finds mom's 22. Whether he accidentally shot the baby or... um, Other. Or shot the baby. (laughs) uh, Calls mom at the horse farm. She comes over, um, you know, checks out the situation and, and thinks, you know... Yeah, it's it's just a flesh wound <laughs> and goes back to work. Uh, so my parenting tip would be, uh, if you know, tying it with the earlier part, if you're in a financial situation where you have to leave an eight-year-old in charge or a two-year-old, maybe not leave the firearms at home. Yeah, or just put them up on a high shelf. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
But she did. She, and then, you know, the authorities, like, then later they had to bring the baby to the hospital. You know, didn't plead out, luckily. She, oh, the, the mom assessed. The, did the, the eight-year-old have to drive to the hospital <laughs> yeah, exactly. and meet the mom there? Or? So, so. Uh, and so, by yeah. the way, you put a little, you put a hard S on that horse farm. It's a soft S. <laughs> a soft, soft horse S. farm. Horse, okay. Not a horse farm. Because right. that's a different thing. We don't know what she does when she's on the farm. Uh, I'm I'm not there. Uh, you got a parenting tip? Uh, um, parenting tip is, um, I guess, no. I mean, other than maybe make sure that you ice the driveway before <laughs> walking on it. No, I don't have a parenting tip of the week. Nor do I have any fun, anything funny to say in place of the parenting tip. Get me out of this! All right. Well, but before we forget. Do not forget, 